Hi, I'm Abigail, and welcome to the second season of the Live Passionately podcast. This season is going to be all about new learning, learning that can broaden our horizons, maybe make us a little uncomfortable, and teach us how to embrace change as a constant. I hold tightly to the concept of being a lifelong learner. Throughout my education, leading one career, changing my mind, pursuing my passion, and applying to grad school. Every process, every conversation, every experience can be approached through learning. Throughout this season, I have set up interviews with some amazing people, ready to teach you about nutrition, life coaching, digital marketing, travel, and a million other different themes, exaggeration intended. I'm glad you were here to join us today, and I hope you take a little something with you from this episode. Welcome back to the Live Passionately podcast. On this episode of the podcast, I'm going to share with you a little chat that I had with Courtney Kimball. And we talked about entrepreneurship. We talked about social media. We talked about using social media in entrepreneurship. And we talked a little bit too about, you know, not having the support, but still pushing through anyway. I hope you enjoyed the podcast episode today. I hope you enjoyed the little chat that we had. And I, of course, hope that you learned something. Welcome to the podcast, Courtney Kimball from Courtney Kimball Consulting. I'm so excited to have you here. I'm so excited to be here. Thank you for inviting me on the show. So before we go into too much detail, for the listeners that don't really know you, could you explain a little bit about yourself and what you do? Absolutely. So as you said, my name is Courtney, Coach Courtney. Um, Everybody calls me and I am a border a coach and consultant. So I work with online entrepreneurs to help them build, grow, and scale profitable businesses using Instagram and other social platforms as a vehicle to do so. I help take the ick factor out of selling so that you can share your services with confidence. And I also love to infuse sales psychology into my um marketing and and sales teachings just because I'm a sales psych nerd. I have my degree in psychology and it just really helps, um, you know, it helps you enter into the conversation that your ideal client's already having in their head. And I know that there are so many, you know, the conversation that a lot of people are having in their head when I say sales psych is like, oh, is that like manipulative? Are you trying to use Jedi mind tricks? And really it's just being able to help somebody feel heard and seen. And I think that the reason I love it so much is because I've learned so much about myself um, through all of these practices. So yeah, that's me in a nutshell. (laughs) I remember when you posted on Instagram once you were talking about your, your psych degree And I can't remember how the video went, but it was something to the effect of people like, well, you have a psych degree and now you're doing this. Like, what's the correlation? And when I saw the video, I was like, there is so much correlation between psych and sales. Oh, my gosh, it is. I mean, 
sales is is relation is a relationship. It's it's building a relationship with somebody, and you have to understand people. And it's sort of the approach of the you know the human first marketing versus I think that there's a really big trend right now, like human first versus bro marketing. And there hasn't really been a distinction until I think re- relatively recently about how we market to men versus how we market to women because women buy yeah. so much differently than men. And we have, you know, CEOs of marketing, these big companies all tend to be men. So they market like a man likes to buy. And there's such a disconnect, especially because women are the buyers in in every household. Like if you, you know, are a family or you have a husband, children, it's like, it's the woman who's buying everything, you know? So we've, we've marketed for a really long time to men thinking that they, because we're the breadwinner, um, you know, they had all the buying power, but it's it was a big mistake. And so people are going back, you know, and really shifting their marketing to appeal to women. Um, and I work exclusively with women. So it's important to me that they feel heard and seen. Mm-hmm. And, and yeah. What led you down this path? So like you were in school, you were in psych. Did you always know that this is what you wanted to do when you were, took when you were in school for psych? Or did you kind of shift gears? How, what led you to this job and being a consultant? You know, it's a long convoluted story, but I'll give you the cliff notes. <laughs> so I did not um, go with the intention of, you know, becoming an online coach and consultant. I had an emphasis in marketing throughout my education in psychology, but I was really more geared towards creating private practice. And then towards the end of my, um, of getting my degree, I fell in love with research and thought, you know, I'm so much more of a linear thinker than I believed I was in the past. And so maybe I'm going to go and get my PhD so I can teach because I love school so much. I just love the energy of people's minds expanding in those light bulb moments. But I really didn't have a PhD program in me, honestly. It was like, I just couldn't do it. I was like furiously applying everywhere. And I just was like, what if I don't? And it felt so good. So I was like, okay, I'm not, I'm not going to. Um, and so I worked for a private company that was contracted by a local school district doing like ABA work, which is applied behavioral analysis with children in like in um, classroom learning. And it just was not for me. I, um, I don't have patience. I love like the, the, again, like the linear aspect of it. And there are so many promising um, you know, like developments, especially with children who have autism and other emotional and behavioral disturbances with this work, but it just like wasn't lighting me up. And I was able to get on my contract because the the client I had was adopted out. So I took that opportunity. The other piece too, and I, it's so sad, but human service work is not valued in this country. And so it was severely underpaid. Like I was struggling to make ends meet. I had this degree and I, you know, thought that it was going to change everything and it didn't. So I found myself back in the service industry, bartending, um, you know, golden handcuffs, as I always like to say, I was making a ton of money. Um, But I just, and it was fun. You know, I met a lot of interesting people. I traveled the world, but it just really didn't fulfill me. And so a friend of mine introduced me to network marketing. And I thought like, hey, you know, what the hell? I had also been working for the last 10 years now with a gentleman um, to selling annuities, actually, which is very random. But um, so I have like a, you know, a very steady um, like sales and marketing background, more like person to person. 
And so I was like, you know, let's try this network marketing thing. I was super excited. And then I, my excitement was, <laughs> it was short-lived because then I was doing like, you know, the three big calls and the coffee dates and like parties and it just felt so hard. And, you know, they sell network marketing as like, oh, make money while you're asleep. But I was just work, I was extent, exchanging so many like hours, you know, for money. And I'm like, this isn't really, and it's not scalable. So I was like, let me go online. Like, let me see how I can market this online. And I saw so many people doing it wrong. I was like, oh my gosh, like this is assaulting to me. It's like an in your face pitch fest. Like I want to help these women do this the right way. So my business was born and I helped women exclusively in the beginning, network marketers, just be able to like position themselves online and let them be the forward facing piece of their business, not the products. And over time, I just, there wasn't a lot of creative freedom with network marketers and, you know, the products they were offering. So I shifted into working with more of, you know, other coaches and creatives and here I am. So that was it. And, you know, the rest is, well, not history yet, but. <laughs> I love, I love the story and I, I'm, I'm a huge, uh, I'm a huge believer in following that passion and following that light. And I also like, I started one career and thought this was for me. Everyone told me it was for me. And I get three years into it. I'm like, no, this is not for me. Like I was burnt out. Like who in their early twenties burns out? Like it's just not a thing. And so that's when I, I shifted gears and I, and I started this little business, this blog that turned into a business. And then I started following you on Instagram. And then that's when I was like, if I do a podcast, she's definitely on the list of wanting to interview for any listeners who are entrepreneurs and are just kind of like, I have no clue what I'm doing. <laughs> Messy action at its finest. I love it. I mean, <laughs> we all have to have that period in, in life and in, in business. And it's so funny that you say like, you know, this is what everybody else told me to do. I experienced that too. There's so much like we're trained, you know, to just like go to school, get a good job. And then when you deviate from that, it's it's really hard. Nobody talks about that either. And in the beginning, not only are you struggling with like the logistics, but then it's the sort of like, you know, social dilemma you have with transitioning from friends and family and not really being able to explain what you do to other people because they don't understand it. And I tell my clients all the time, you know, it's not our jobs to explain to other people what it is that we do. And we, you know, it's just, it's, it's something that everybody experiences. So I think normalizing it, like you just did, is, is so important because it, it can feel lonely, you know, in the beginning when we're sort of carving out our path. And especially with those, with the, early, the you know, the women or men or and just human beings in their early 20s, even though our society has evolved so much, we still have this idea of like, oh, but when I'm 20, and I wrote about this in my upcoming book. My book's coming out in May. And I wrote about this. When we're 20, we're 19, it's our 20th birthday. We feel like the whole world's just going to change. Like all of a sudden, everything's going to make sense. And that is so <laughs> not true. <laughs> and it's kind of developing that path in our 20s to figure it out because that's really what it is about. It's about figuring it out, even though society pushes us to have it figured out, you know, when we go off to college or university or get our first job, like, no, we have time. 
Mm-hmm. Oh, I'm so excited to read your book. Um, a spoiler alert, when you hit 30, you still don't know. So there, that's a fun thing. Too. <laughs> I felt the I same way. I was like, more years. I always thought, right? I always thought like, as I was, you know, you hit those milestones, like 18, 21, 25, you can run a car. And then I always had this idea of what a 30-year-old woman, you know, had or did or looked like. And I'm now 31, going to be 32. And I think like, oh my gosh, you know, that's the irony of life. Like we always think that we're going to feel different when we hit these external, um, you know, milestones and, and we take, we take ourselves, you know, everywhere we go. So why would we feel any different than we do now? And obviously there comes, um, an element of, of experience and wisdom and, and things like that. But yeah, it definitely is. It's life's funny that way. So <laughs> Is you know, when I remember, so I was in my mid, yeah, I was in my mid twenties when I started to deviate, when I was like, I'm just going to go off path. And if I had done that in my early twenties, all of, you know, the, the friends and the family who are just like, what are you doing? Like, you know, the lack of support would have broke me. And mm-hmm. I'm kind of happy that life worked out in a way where, you know, I was in my mid twenties. I knew that this is what I wanted to follow And so even that lack of support around me, not that everyone, I'm not saying everyone in my family didn't support me, but there were some people, it didn't bug me because I was like, it's just, you're not my vibe and you're not vibing with me right now. Mm -hmm. And it's interesting Mm -hmm. how age helps guide you a little bit, but there's still that, you know, that part of, we don't know what's next. It's okay. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Exactly. Releasing that and just trusting the unfolding, you know, we're exactly where we're supposed to be. As long as we continue taking the action steps towards what it is that we want, you know, we're we're never behind. We're just, we're on our way, like to say. (laughs) So with all your experience working with women entrepreneurs and helping them, what are some of your strong beliefs or philosophies if we could go into real deepness, uh, what are some of your strong philosophies on living with purpose and like looking at life through a lens of joy? Ooh, this is, this is a big <laughs> one. So I, ha- I have many things to say. Um, if we're looking at it from a business standpoint, I think shifting the the idea of using your business as a vehicle to provide and create the lifestyle that you desire. I think that that can get away from us because in the beginning there's the excitement and, you know, we have our, our why, and then we get in the thick of it and we forget why we even started. And it's reminding ourselves that we are building a business to support what we want, right? And it's to complement the lifestyle that we want. And so I think that that's a huge thing is like, how can asking yourself or, you know, hiring and working with somebody who can really help you be able to create something that's supportive of the lifestyle you want to live. And so that would be, I would say the first thing is just like, don't let your passion and your reasoning for why you started get away from you in the creation of things. Because, you know, what, especially in the beginning, what you think you're going to create, it shifts and changes so beautifully. But in that we can sort of lose the the intentionality and, and the reason for why we've created this beautiful thing. 
And that's it's really easy to do when we see everybody else, especially in the online space. It's, you know, it's vast, but it really is a small bubble that we live in. And we see so many people doing things this way or that way. And, you know, you want to try out this, but you see somebody else doing something and, and they're successful at it. So I should do it or my business should look like this. And and that tends to leave us feeling a little bit inauthentic and can can almost, you know, make us feel like we're wearing somebody else's shoes. I always say like, I don't even wear stilettos and these heels are killing me. Like, why am I wearing somebody else's shoes? That was something that I <laughs> experienced because, you know, it's, it's hard when we're just like inundated with content all day long. And it's great to take some inspiration from that. But I think that really remembering like, why we started and how can I make something that's going to be supportive of, of what I truly want and not let that get away from you because your business doesn't need to look like everybody else's. Like you can create something that is supportive and aligned and fun and it, you don't have to look at everybody else too and be like, I'm not doing enough. That's the other thing. Like you're saying like the, you know, season of hustle sometimes just like we we get in the thick of it and it just, we lose our joy and it's supposed to be fun. I mean, if the journey is just like blood, sweat, and tears, it's not going to be a good time when you get there. Um, so <laughs> I would say that's what I would say, I guess. So through the, the years that you've started building and working with social media, what do you find the benefits of using social media for business and to build the life that you want? How beneficial and what are the benefits of using social media? Oh, social media is the entrepreneur's greatest gift. And you listening may feel some sort of way because yes, everything has, you know, it's, it's benefits and it also has its cons, but it is free organic marketing dollars, millions of marketing dollars at your fingertips. If you use it the correct way, traditionally businesses had to allot, you know, hundreds of thousands of dollars just for their marketing budget. And now you can get on social media and have the reach and visibility that is, I mean, it's unheard of. And the other thing that's so unique about social media that a number of people really don't capitalize on is that it it allows for this two-way dialogue, right? Before, you know, 15, 20 years ago, it was like you bought an ad in a newspaper or a radio spot or a piece in a magazine, you know, piece in a magazine, and you didn't know how the market was responding directly. Yes, you could see like, oh, you know, X amount of magazines were sold or you had X amount of like listenership, but you didn't really know how they were receiving you. And so now you have the ability to see directly how your market is responding. And that is invaluable. So not only do you now have this like crazy reach, you essentially have it at no cost, right? There's nothing is, is free. You're putting time into it. That's one thing that I always tell my clients that yes, it is, it is a free vehicle, but the trade-off is time, right? It takes time to build something, especially because if you don't want to just be some girl on the internet, you got to show up consistently because people fall off, people disappear and nobody wants to, you know, invest four or five figures into somebody if they don't know if they're going to be here tomorrow. Like, <laughs> and so that's built over time. So using social platforms to build upon a personal brand is 
is a non-negotiable if you if you are a business owner. I mean, statistically, people like 90% of people go online before they make a buying decision, whether that be like you just want to go to a new coffee shop, you're going to go on Yelp, right? You're going to Google and you're going to look and you're going to see like based on how they're positioning and presenting themselves, are you going to go to coffee shop like A or B? I mean, I've literally been like, ah, this looks a lot cuter in here. Like, let's go here. (laughs) You know, so it's just like being very visible and And then also, um, you know, there are so many other aspects of it, but I would say just like your relationship with it, looking at it as a gift and really utilizing it as a key marketing piece to, um, you know, get visible to your ideal client and then start cultivating relationships, having conversations, validating the work, um, you know, your, your offers, your products, your services. And um, from there, it just, you you can sort of you know lean back off of the fruits of your labor once you get to a certain point of you've built this consistency with your audience that um, is is amazing. I mean, I'm so grateful for what Instagram has done for me, my business, for my life, honestly. And yes, there are some days that I hate the app. I'm like, I can't even like the thought of scrolling through this feed right now. I'm just not in the good headspace, but. Those are few and far between because, you know, we do things like tending to our energy and honoring our bandwidth and really setting those boundaries. Um, So, yeah. What? So you talked a little bit about consistency and it's interesting because it kind of leads into my next question. It's as we approach the end of our, our little 30 minute chat, but what would you say for using social or the tricks that especially Instagram for businesses is really big So what tips would you give for using Instagram, your top three tips for using Instagram for your business? Okay, top three tips. Number one, have a clear bio. So you guys are going to be getting a um, my Instagram bio blueprint, which is a, a epic free resource that will eliminate that conversation you're having in your head. I'm sure you've changed your Instagram bio like four times this month. Um, if you're anything like my ideal client and so, yeah, uh, so this will give you step-by-step what needs to be in there, what does need to be in there. And there are a couple of fun bonuses too. I would say just making sure because people come, when they come to your page, they are going to decide within less than seven seconds because we interpret, it takes about a second to interpret a single image. You have your top nine grid up there, right? Um, So it'll take them about less than seven seconds to decide whether they're going to follow you or not. So you want to shorten that decision time and make it a no brainer. But the reason people follow you is because they think there's something in it for them. So if you aren't clear as to what you do, who you serve, what they're going to get out of your page, they're just going to click away. So making sure that you have a really clear like call to action, who it is that you help, what it is that you do. And so that would be my first. Second is if you are really focused on just like creating an audience right now, then get your get your butt on reels because reels content is being pumped out. The algorithm has favorite children. And right now reels is like the number one. So making sure that you are getting on reels like three times a week, it's great because they're just either 15 or 30 second clips. The value isn't, you know, you're not delivering a ton of value. It should be very like short, quick tip, actionable 
But that is what that audience is geared towards, right? The platform has taught us to consume content in different ways. And so Reels is just an introduction, right? Oh, I like this person. Now let me cruise over and see what they have to share. So get on Reels. Um, If you are looking at a consistency as far as like how often should I be posting, I always say like do what you can maintain. It's always quality over quantity. But two to three feed posts a week, that's where you would really nurture more of your warmer warmer audience there with Instagram um, posts, IGTVs, uh, and then story. Be omnipresent with story and make sure to switch it up because attention spans are very, very short. And since there's so many new features on the app, there are times spread across um, all of these features. So we want to make sure that we are giving people what it is that they want. Um, and Instagram stories, your warmest, it's your warmest audience. Like think about the fact that they stop what they're doing in their day to go and see what you're doing, right? That's like omnipresent marketing at its finest. So making sure that you're top of mind all day long to your ideal client, um, because we don't want to be forgotten when we close out of the app, you know? So as far as consistency and like posting, I would, I would say that. And then Lastly, just lead with value. You want to show up as that leader, as that authority for your audience. And so the value providing is, you know, enlightening and illuminating what their true problem is so that you can showcase your solution, which is your business, your service, right? But we need to make sure that your audience is problem aware first. Um, so that would, those would be my, my three actionables. Maybe there were four or five, six in there. Um, I can't help myself. (laughs) (laughs) So before we head over to our fire round questions, so I always, at the end of every interview, I have five questions and you just have to answer with the first thing that comes to, to mind before we head over to our fire round, you brought it up a little bit in the tips, but could you go into a little bit of detail and explain this free resource that you're giving our listeners? Yes, absolutely. So it is going to share with you everything from what your profile picture should include, should not include, how to craft your I help statement, how to position yourself as an authority, um, what sort of highlights you should have up there, along with a couple juicy bonuses, um, which are a story challenge template, right? Because sometimes people are like, I don't even know what to share on Instagram story. Well, don't worry, I've got you covered. It has Monday through Saturday up there. And then um, one other juicy bonus, but you have to go download it to find out what it is. (laughs) All right, so we're going to head, we're going to finish off with our fire round of questions. So first thing that comes to your head when you hear the question, are you ready? I'm ready. I didn't know this was happening and I feel very unprepared, but I'm excited. <laughs> that's, 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 that's the point. That's the point. Unprepared is the point. <laughs> okay. You're keeping me on my toes. I like it. All right. First question. What is passion? Mm, passion is when you are just like lit up. You feel electric in anything that you do. It could be like from cooking muffins to anything that just like makes you feel on fire, but like the electric good kind of fire. What does it mean to feel joy? Joy for me feels like stillness, like quiet, like peace. 
I really like that. That was, that was, I really like that answer. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you. Third question. Why are challenges important? Because a problem is just a way to find a solution. So power the reframe. Any challenge is just a way for you to find an answer. So, and you need the contrast in life. Otherwise, everything would be easy and that would be no fun. Question four, what does it mean to love yourself? Loving yourself means to me giving yourself some grace, giving yourself some compassion and not, um, you know, treating others like yourself like you treat others, right? We are so hard on ourselves. So I always say, court, give yourself a little grace today, right? We're just, I'm just a person. (laughs) (laughs) Question five, the last question, how can we live our best life? Um, You know, everybody's best life looks different. Somebody's best life might be taking tequila shots on the beach all day. Um, One might be sitting and reading and cuddling up with their cat. I would just say, Living your best life means finding whatever does bring you that quiet, that peace, that ease, and that passion, and whatever that looks like. There's no, you know, there's no right best life and owning what that is for you. Wow, such great answers. Thank you so much for joining us on the podcast today. There there was so much juice in this whole episode. It's an, It was a fantastic chat. Thank you so much. Oh my gosh, thank you for having me. This was so much fun. And I really love this this fire round that you do. That's, I don't know. <laughs> it's unique and it's exciting. I felt on the edge of my seat. It's good. So thank you. <laughs> Take care. All right. Thank you guys. I hope you guys enjoyed this podcast episode. It was a lot of fun to sit down with Courtney and have this informal chat, but still really focused on new learning. And that free resource that she is offering you guys will be in the description of this podcast episode and Courtney's website and Instagram will also be there. So don't forget to give her a follow. She is very authentic in what she produces on Instagram and it's really inspiring. I hope that you have a wonderful rest of the week and I will see you next week. The Live Passionately podcast is an independent podcast hosted and produced by myself, Abigail, with royalty-free music, A Good Life by Dark Fantasy Studios. I want to thank all of my listeners, subscribers, and followers. Remember to always live passionately. Passionately.